Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a Yonsei Podcast Network miniseries. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring different aspects of mixed identity with special guests. I'm Michelle from Nikkei Rising, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today, we'll be discussing beauty standards and our perceptions of beauty as mixed Japanese Americans. I'm lucky to be joined by my guest and friend, Sydney Casson. Sydney is a junior visual designer at Cisco and marketing volunteer at the Japanese American Museum of San Jose. She is an avid mountain biker and former 2022 Northern California Cherry Blossom Festival Queen Program First Princess. Welcome to Mixed Feelings, Sydney. Hi, thanks for having me. So great to chat with you today. To start, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background growing up as a mixed Japanese American. Awesome. Well, I'm happy to be here. A little bit about myself. I am Yonsei on my mom's side. Um, and then on my dad's side, I am Irish American. And growing up, I actually grew up in a very, very like Americanized white neighborhood. And I feel like that influenced a lot about how I viewed beauty standards and how different, I guess, traditions were growing up. But I feel like growing up in this like environment, being very Americanized, it kind of distanced me a little bit from my Japanese background, which is why I was so thankful to have done the Queen program with Michelle. I feel like I finally have an avenue to talk with people who have like similar backgrounds growing up with me, similar maybe experiences with what beauty standards were. So I'm excited to be here and talk about that. Yay. And yeah, I think being mixed and especially being you know mixed with um, like the Irish American, uh, something that we bonded over while we were in the Queen program. So uh, really excited to continue talking about it today. Um, I wanted to kind of get started, you know, what, what did beauty mean to you as a kid? And maybe like what influenced your perception of beauty growing up? It's very funny, because I feel like growing up mixed, you know, people are always telling you how exotic or different or like beautiful you were, because you were something different. And I feel like maybe it wasn't as common growing up to have so many like half Japanese, half American people, but I was always told like that it was something to be proud of. Um, But I don't know if I necessarily always felt that way. I don't know if you've ever felt the same. (laughs) Like you never told it, but you didn't fully believe it. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like when I was growing up, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know what race was. I didn't know what ethnicity was. And actually my best friend in preschool was also half Asian and and she was half white. Um, So she was also mixed. And um, I did, I think, grow up with other kids my age that had somewhat similar backgrounds, but it didn't really connect that that what made us similar or that was a point of similarity for me um, for us until like Mm -hmm. later on as I look back on it now 
but I think it wasn't something that I really saw in the media. And I think that's one one place where I was heavily influenced <laughs> by the lead characters of shows. Um, and I think even, you know, my, my other mixed best friend, we would like imitate like Hilary Duff or Lizzie McGuire. And we would, you know, we would want to be like these characters in the shows, but they didn't necessarily look like us. So there's that piece of like representation um, that that maybe didn't exist. But when there was like an Asian female character, I think that was always like either very Asian versus the whiteness of maybe the rest of the characters. And so I, I don't know if that was like those characters really influenced my desire or like, mm. what I thought beauty was. Yeah, I feel like nowadays too, like having more representation in that sense, like we see mixed people, we see like all different kinds of like combinations in not just like acting, but like models and just out and about in like real life. And I feel like that has sort of changed my perception. Like growing up, I didn't have that type of representation. So I would always be mm -hmm. insecure, you know, about like how round my face is or, you know, like my body type. Um, but I think it's definitely changed now that we have that because I'm starting to see like all these different types of women that are considered beautiful. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like, helps that insecurity in a way which I agree like with you like my best friend growing up she wasn't mixed um she was actually fully like white um and very very tall very like skinny she's gorgeous um <laughs> but I think a lot of that was me comparing myself to her and we are completely different types of yeah. uh, people and I don't think it was fair to like compare myself to her but I always like was like, oh, I wonder what it would feel like to have like light colored eyes or yeah. different types of hair texture. Um, and I think too, like in the area I grew up in, um, that was sort of, you know, what the boys went for. <laughs> so that definitely like, I was like, oh, is that what they like? Should I start dressing like that? Like, I felt like I was chasing something rather than yeah. my own identity. Yeah, I mean, that's what like the media shows us like that's what like all those Disney channel movies show us like I feel like once the girl gets beautiful uh, or she changes her fashion you know she changes her hair she starts wearing makeup then that's what gets the boys to notice her so it feels like that's what we were trained to do and, and to want to do and I like I wasn't into I wasn't like I I don't know like I, I shopped at like the limited two oh, later me too. on <laughs> and I feel like the, that's like style lessons that I learned from tv you know or like even like little magazines that are like for like teenagers I don't know yes I used to shop there too it just wasn't really it wasn't really a good look <laughs> <laughs> but it was the trend we're, all, I know. we're always chasing the trends and still yeah, I guess yeah. I feel like when we were little, I feel like it was more like we were trying to build ourselves, like our identity, who we are. We were trying to like chase something, like whatever we saw like on TV or like in yeah. a magazine or I don't know, lots of ads <laughs> for girls yeah. and like limited to or what was it? Or Apostle. <laughs> There's so many different <laughs> stores. But all those models um, like for Hollister and 
Aeropostale, I feel like most of the models there were white. Like you didn't see a lot of Asian representation, let alone mixed race representation. Yeah, I I think I struggled a lot with that too, because like I would see what I thought would look good on one of those models, but it might not necessarily complement like my features, you know, <laughs> I'm very short. You, you and me are both short. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I inherited sort of my dad's like wider physique, but I, I don't know. I feel like looking at some of those like models, it really just did not help me choose like a good fashion sense <laughs> growing mm-hmm. up. Yeah let alone like the body dysmorphia or like body image issues that it um, could definitely perpetrate or mm-hmm. so what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, <laughs> perpetuate, perpetuate. Yes. Um, yeah. And on the other hand, I was thinking about, and this is kind of like a, a gender related um, phenomenon, but I definitely like was very close to my mom and really looked up to her. And I think because she was a woman, she was the person that I wanted to emulate fashion wise, beauty wise. Um, And so as opposed to like the whiteness that we might have been chasing from media, there's that, that opposite Mm -hmm. end of the spectrum where my, my mom, who's full Japanese was someone that I, you know, really wanted to be like as well. Yeah, I definitely looked up to my mom a lot too. I feel like we dressed very similar growing mm-hmm. up. Did you have matching um, outfits? I don't know. We probably <laughs> have. I will have to ask her and see if I can pull up a photo. But I definitely tried to like follow in her footsteps a lot. Like her mm-hmm. mannerisms, like how she learned piano. I definitely wanted to be just mm-hmm. like her. I don't know if I ever wanted to like, oh no, this is a lie. I definitely wanted to look like her because I definitely <laughs> raided her makeup closet or her makeup drawer so much and she got so mad at me about it. So, <laughs> yeah, her she definitely influenced like my interest in makeup too. Interesting. Uh, my mom actually like did not wear makeup and still like does not wear makeup. And so I didn't learn how to do makeup from her, like ever see her really wear it. But I learned a lot about makeup and particularly stage makeup from Mm. my dance days and like having to perform on stage for ballet, tap, jazz and ballet and the, the, the body image uh, with that is another issue. But I think makeup really came into play and just like making yourself up for like performances that of like dance and I know you have you were influenced by dance as well I was I actually danced hula and I guess maybe like makeup (laughs) was learned during my hula years but I think hula actually kind of introduced me to sort of my Asian community in a sense like I didn't have that many Asian friends growing up but once I started dancing hula I met so many different like girls from different backgrounds and it was like very cool to see you know, people who kind of look like me, but a lot of those girls were like full Asian. And I, it's this weird scenario of being mixed where in different groups, you don't feel like you totally, totally mix with them. (laughs) Um, Which was very, very interesting growing up as you're trying to like discover your whole identity. I would find myself often like comparing myself to the other girls, like 
hair. My hair is very frizzy. I inherited my dad's hair. It is mm. not like stereotypical Asian straight hair. But there's a lot of other girls too who didn't have like super like straight hair. Like even if they were full Asian, it was very interesting just seeing like different types of beauty growing up in that sort of environment. <laughs> mm. Was there like a particular standard that you looked up to or like that people in your hula classes looked up to and tried to emulate or was there like one person everyone wanted to be like oh you know there probably was there was one girl who she had like super long hair very tall very nice skin <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like that was like wow she was so beautiful but it was also how she like carried herself. I feel like for hula, beauty is more like you have to be graceful. We always were like mm. smiling and moving very graceful. And it was a different type of beauty that I discovered through hula. It was more like, it wasn't like the toxic beauty that you learn about through, you know, media. This was more like I'm discovering like how beautiful we could be as like Asian Americans. And I think I discovered that through hula and it's also what kind of helped build my confidence growing up. It was a huge like personality builder, identity builder for me. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like the beauty of the art form or like the beauty of what makes someone really good at the art form, like level of skill or like their passion for it or like mm -hmm. how they carry themselves. It's really interesting. Yeah, there's so many different types of beauty. And I think we also probably discovered that through the cherry blossom program. I feel like for Japanese culture, especially when we were learning like odori dancing, a lot of the beauty was just in like the slow movements and grace and just like how that looked and how that came across. And it was very different. Yeah, yeah. that's not something that we were used to is like the different movements and the subtlety, I think, of what makes something beautiful. I, in the odori but also just like even moving about in kimono and just I think I think that's something that we don't really see as much in American media or American portrayals of beauty is this kind of holding back almost in a way and, and being a little bit more nuanced and there's that like the beauty and the subtlety of things. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's something that I realized like later in life, like we don't need to be flashy. We don't need to do like super thick makeup. Like, I don't know about you, but when I first started learning makeup, I didn't know how to like work with my face shape. And I just yeah. used bright colors yeah. because I thought that's what was cool. But I think there's definitely beauty in being like subtle and letting different things shine through like I don't know how you carry yourself your smile your attitude towards things your passion yeah. and I think growing up beauty was always something surface level but yeah. I feel like nowadays there's so many aspects to beauty besides just you know what we look like I think that's how you know you're growing up and like learning <laughs> we're um, old yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, when you talk about like the the flashiness of makeup, I definitely feel like when I had to do stage makeup for performances, that was what I thought makeup was. And so it kind of turned me off from makeup. And I think um, I, maybe I was in a tomboy phase at that time, but um, it was like I wasn't into makeup until I think high school. I, I still wasn't really into it, but 
I, you know, started getting like acne and started like not wanting people to see my imperfections that every teenager has as they become an adult. Um, And so that was like, I felt like makeup almost became like a little necessity or something for me to just like uh, feel more you wanted to cover up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Not a necessity, of course, but just like something that helped me feel less self-conscious but not by not by putting on like mascara and like going overboard or what I thought might be overboard but just like I don't know no I I agree I feel like I mean we had to do stage makeup for cherry blossom queen program and that that felt like a lot I am not used to having that much makeup on um I almost felt like it wasn't I don't know. I felt like it wasn't necessarily like I feel like, you know, that in Japanese culture, like we want to just accentuate our features, like not be super out there. So it kind of threw me off that the Queen program had this expectation to like just have like, you know, big lashes, like this modernized look, Um, whereas Mm -hmm. I thought maybe like the softer look would be better. But you know, different makeup styles accentuate different features for different scenarios. And that's pretty, that's pretty cool and interesting to me. Yeah. Do you, you, you had mentioned like that you had maybe learned a little bit about makeup or at least like wanted to get into your mom's stash of makeup. <laughs> so you like, that was something that your mom influenced. Do you, it, did you like wear makeup throughout high school or is like, it's something that you felt what was your I guess your relationship with that as you were growing up besides the the dance let's see I mean my mom never actually wore that much makeup she just owned Mm. makeup I'll just say that (laughs) so it was sort of trial and error of me figuring out what looked good and yeah you know once I got caught I I stole (gasps) like a bunch of her powders because I wanted to make my face like lighter and more even because my skin tone was like very uneven you know I've red undertones it's my Irish coming through I get very sunburnt um I get acne so I wanted to like fix that growing yeah. up but I I actually once that got taken away I used waterproof markers <laughs> on my eyelids as eyeshadow and I did that for so long um wow. and I actually like thought that eyeshadow was the only makeup you could wear as well as like powder I didn't know eyeliner existed I didn't know mascara existed until actually there was an Asian girl in my middle school who started using mascara and eyeliner and I would like watch her from afar and like take notes (laughs) mental notes and I started like wanting to dress more like her and I, I found that I did that a lot like growing up in high school I would find like a role model who was like an older girl who was maybe an Asian background who looked like me who I thought you know was doing it well and I would try to copy their look but makeup for me was very much self-taught and it was not a smooth path (laughs) yeah I kind of want to get into like like finding a role model and like trying to emulate them but I also liked what you said about like getting caught because (laughs) I feel like it's just so funny to me like we watch all these shows that are like okay like this everyone's obviously made up or like people are really into makeup on on shows and like it 
being pretty is like a big thing. Um, and then of course, like older women in, in our, our families or in our, our circles are wearing, often are wearing makeup and it's like just a kind of a daily thing, like a, a very normalized thing as you get older. But for you to like get caught is, is kind of a funny thing. Um, and I remember getting kind of caught for like, or like at first I was like begging my mom to like help to like allow me to like shave my legs or something. Yes. And then I finally like <laughs> used her razor and I felt like I was going to get caught using it. And she like had really warned me about like, once you start shaving, you have to keep shaving. Oh my God. And so I was like really afraid, but like I didn't, I was like really self-conscious about like having hair on my legs because everyone I think at school, um, like middle school even, were like were, were shaving. And I was like, I want to do that. And some people I think were even shaving their arms. And I like that was like a completely foreign idea to me. And my mom is like kind of more naturally hairless, I, I think. <laughs> uh, and so like she didn't even really do that much hair removal. But I like, because I have my dad's genes, like you said, like mm-hmm. we have like some white and I have like some Hispanic genes that are I think are naturally more hairy and so like I was like I gotta remove it I don't want to be a hairy beast and um I know you you have uh I know you have some thoughts on like body hair and how that's impacted your upbringing um but yeah that was something that I think it was like so taboo or felt like it wasn't like I wasn't supposed to do it um and that I was going to get in trouble with my mom but um what what was your experience with that like? I am just laughing because yes, body hair <laughs> is a thing. And <laughs> this is so funny to me because a lot of my like whole Asian friends, they didn't they don't know the struggle, you know? Um, but my dad, you know, love him, Irish man, comes with hair. Yeah. I have hair. <laughs> and what's really bad about it is I have a younger brother. He does not have mm-hmm. hair. <laughs> how come I ended up with this? Yeah. (laughs) But I do remember feeling very self-conscious about it um, because, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom had like, obviously like great skin. She had the smoothest legs. She only shaves like once a year, probably. Um, (laughs) But I was like, I have to start shaving. And I think I got in trouble too, because I think I also stole my mom's razor and I cut myself. So (laughs) we have the same, same experience with that. But I also know that like, I have to shave often. And my skin type, I don't know about you, but it's super sensitive. So I'm also having to deal with like razor burn, bumps, like texture. Um, and Asian skin scars a lot too. It does. <laughs> I thought that was just me that scarred a lot. But that you is crazy. A, that, that mix of like the the white jeans that make <laughs> your hair grow, hairs grow. And then you have like the sensitive Asian skin great combo love being mixed I'm proud to be mixed yeah but what was that pressure for you to like feel like you needed to be hairless okay this is very funny because I feel like this is calm like nowadays you know like you don't women don't need to shave their armpits but they never needed to but they never (laughs) needed to but for some reason media told them that women looking hairless was the way to go 
And I don't know who made that rule. Probably some guy made that up. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for me, maybe it had to do with feeling more feminine, especially like growing up with, you know, my features being mixed and my dad being sort of stocky Irish man. I feel like when you add hair to that combo, I did struggle a lot feeling feminine. I mean, one of my biggest hobbies is mountain biking. And it's not the most girly hobby, although it is now, you know, girls bike. (laughs) But I feel like there was a lot about growing up where I felt like a tomboy. I didn't feel feminine. And I feel like maybe, you know, the hair was just the cherry on top of all of that wanting to feel feminine because to me that was beautiful. But obviously Mm -hmm. now my standard has changed. Like how I said earlier, there are so many other ways to be beautiful, but yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like at least in my school, I can remember instances of like people or other like girls talking about like, ew, body hair, like, ew, you don't shave your legs. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's that, there's that pressure too, just, just peer pressure and, you know, wanting to fit in and people like treating you poorly if you don't. I know. (laughs) Why can't people think everything's beautiful? (laughs) Why do we have to be so judgmental? I also think that was more of like the era, Um, you know, like I feel like standards and in middle school and high school, obviously everyone's judgmental and everyone cares what everyone thinks. Um, And maybe that didn't add any (laughs) help to this. But I guess talking more about like that generation or that era something I always thought about too, like my mom and grandma, you know, there was always this, they had this idea of what beauty was. Mm -hmm. um, And it was always like, skinny, you know, my grandma would always say like kimono body, like you have to have like, a super like slim body, because they're gonna pull that obi really tight around your waist. And I feel like their generation might have had more judgment about typical beauty standards. And that might have influenced some insecurities growing up for me for sure yeah I wonder if you have similar experience with your mom or grandma I think there definitely was this pressure to be thin but I think it's it's tough because also in a lot of cultures but Japanese as well there's like a food is a big part of feeling connected to your roots and to family. And so when there's a big emphasis on food and also a big emphasis on being thin, it's really contradictory and very challenging, but conflicting for young women, especially like preteens, adolescent girls. Like what is is the message that we're actually sending or being sent? Yeah, we're supposed to enjoy the food and culture, but not too much, you know, we gotta keep our figure. (laughs) Yeah. We've definitely talked a lot about like our American, I think, influences of beauty. And I know we, we kind of just started talking about like our the Japanese side of that influence of beauty. What what other parts of like Japanese beauty standards do you think have influenced your perception or understanding of beauty? I don't know if it's specifically like Japanese, but maybe mm-hmm. more like Asian beauty standards. I feel like recently I've gotten really into skincare, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is very fun. Um, I know you have too, <laughs> <laughs> but 
that has definitely like been a very new add to me for my beauty standard routine is adding a skincare routine and all the steps that go to it. Yeah. Um, and that's something like, I don't know, we weren't taught that in school. No one told us that we need to have like, I don't know, multiple step skincare washes. Like growing up, I just used like, I don't know, body wash or yeah. a Neutrogena soap. But yeah, the Neutrogena, especially like all those ads where it's like, yeah. I don't know, it's like the grapefruit, like face wash with like the little beads or like the micro pellets in it. Like, I feel like those like more abrasive things were what or like proactive or something like that. It's like, that's the, that's the skincare that I feel like I grew up with. But then you, you talked about how your mom has really great skin my mom has good skin and all she does is like wash her face in the shower with body wash you know so I, I <laughs> right? didn't really know like what I was supposed to do there yeah you know we have mixed skin types because we're mixed and I feel like learning what that is and like the types of products to use for that was something that I had to kind of do myself and obviously like now that I'm adult it's easier but growing up you know I wish I knew about this or had a role model or someone I could talk to to like tell me about this but I found most of those later in life or yeah. just like coworkers and friends that give me advice but it would have been very very cool I think to have sort of not just like my mom but like you know an outside source like a friend like an older older sister <laughs> to like kind of teach me the ropes which is yeah why also I'm very very thankful to have gotten into this program with you because I feel like we kind of got that. <laughs> we like trade all of our tricks. We give each other recs. Um, yeah. It's kind of great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Thinking about like those older female role models, I, I grew up really close to my cousins who are also mixed and they're like seven, nine years older than I was. So I think it was definitely helpful to have them especially since they looked more like me and they did like similar activities and they had gone through different stages of life before I had encountered them I think that was helpful to see especially because they were also balancing being mixed race and and being in the same family essentially so I, I definitely was influenced by them but also heavily influenced by my brother and I mentioned like going through this tomboy phase where like I wore his clothes and I really really wanted to be him um, but then I felt like I, th I think I felt also like, okay, I wanted to be like my brother, but then like, I also wanted boys to like me, not, not as a, not as just a friend. And so I didn't want to be like too much like him. So there was that kind of balance too, or I thought that there had to be some balance there. <laughs> You know, boys can like tomboy looking girls too. <laughs> well, now I know that, but well, I yeah, <laughs> no, not at the time, uh, obviously. <laughs> any anyone can like anyone. Um, exactly. When was the last time that you were either in Japan or like a very Japanese space? I'm glad you asked this because I went to Japan with my entire family. You know, grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, cousins, mom, dad, the whole lot in 2019 mm -hmm. and this was like my first experience being in a foreign country where there's like 
a different standard of mm-hmm. like how people carry themselves and appearance wise. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt very much like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, because I'm a tourist and an American, but also physically. Um, it was very, very interesting to see like how people dressed and carried themselves, mm-hmm. especially when it was super, super hot. It was all like dark colors, long sleeves, mm-hmm. long pants. And there was me, you know, the sweaty American whose skin was red because it was hot and I was in shorts. Um, yeah. But I, I remember going clothes shopping. I went to like a Uniqlo in Japan because I felt insecure with like, the clothes I bought yeah. and I wanted to fit in more with people in Japan so I like bought pants and a shirt and stuff um, and another thing that I realized being in Japan too I have several tattoos and yeah, that was yeah, something yeah. that in Japan you know is not necessarily looked <laughs> that great on um, yeah. so I felt very self-conscious about that as well especially in like you know bath spaces or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I felt like I was kind of stared at but maybe it was just all in my head too you know thinking that because I'm othered I'm being stared at but mm. I don't know have you had a similar experience or have you ever been to Japan <laughs> I have been to Japan also in 2019 when I went on the Kakahashi project what? trip and I think it was like very obvious again yeah that I was a tourist and, and even some of the other attendees of the program, um, the other participants who are full Japanese, then sometimes it, it's obvious to the to the Japanese nationals, Japanese natives, um, that you know we are all we're all from America, or we're all from tour, uh, we're all tourists. And I don't know, like, if that's because of the way we dress, definitely because probably the way I look, um, and my lack of Japanese skills in just Japanese language skills but I could definitely see like I didn't I didn't have the same sense of style um or even like the way I did my hair or makeup too I think was very different I don't have any tattoos so that wasn't a problem but I've heard many other people share that experience with you of like not being able to go on the onsen or having you know really cover it up my understanding is that you know tattoos were associated with gangs in japan and so that was that's like just culturally like a a hard association to disrupt and but it but tattoos are really like can be really beautiful and meaningful and a lot of now japanese americans get their family mon somewhere and so that's like a huge connection to their culture, yet it's in an art form that's technically taboo in that culture. Uh, so it's very interesting. Yeah, it's very, it's almost as if they're doing like Japanese culture in like an Americanized way of beauty. Something actually very interesting is in San Jose, Japantown, there's a tattoo shop called State of Grace. And for the first time, they actually had an exhibit in the museum which was very, very surprising to me because of, you know, that traditional mindset. And I just thought, wow, you know, we are taking baby steps forward and like changing what it really means 
to be beautiful and what art looks like in different forms and like yeah. where we can showcase that, which is very much a very Japanese American thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very, it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the last thing that I'll say about like, I think my understanding of like Japanese beauty, and I think this is true across some other Asian cultures too, but it's like the paleness of your skin, like the whiteness of your skin, like versus like the uh, glorification of like tanning in America. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's like a, a huge point of difference. And I think like if you have like, I think there's like even like a lot of products that like whiten your skin and that was something that's like baffling to me coming from, you know, growing up in America where it's ideal to be as tan as possible. Yeah. Oh uh, my gosh. I actually have a funny story about this. Um, I was in an onsen in Japan and I couldn't read any of the products. And mm -hmm. I think I grabbed one of those that was like skin whitening. Yeah. And I used it over my entire body because it looked like it was for exfoliation and my whole body peeled and it was not fun <laughs> given that I am a very pale person also but I it's so funny I never want it to be pale <laughs> I always associated with that tan beauty standard which is really interesting I feel like if you're mixed it could go either way um yeah yeah you you also kind of brought this up too and this is another thing even though I said the last thing was the last thing but you, you had talked about your clothes and and how your clothes were a lot more revealing and that's you know super common especially in California and and at Hawaii where you often are as well um just like with the hot weather but there's hot weather in Japan and like you said there there's a lot more modesty in the fashion and that's like a, another point that feels conflicting I don't know I just, just I'm just like kind of no, pointing out these observations that I have and I don't really have much to say about it but um there's that. that's a good observation I feel like I was always either or like growing up obviously nowadays like I like to mix it up depending on the event or how I'm feeling like more modest more mm -hmm. revealing more fun you know depending mm -hmm. on the outing but yeah I feel like that's sort of what's really great about being where we are um is that you know we have the freedom to dress how we want to sort of wear what we want makeup wise um we can shave we don't have to shave and i feel like that's more celebrated now in america just in this day and age too like we we can kind of choose what beauty is and how we want to define it where in like Japan or other countries that might not be as much of a choice. Um, yeah. So I am very thankful for that. Yeah, and, and that came up too in, in some of our events for Cherry Blossom Queen program for some of the more Japanese events, like with the uh, Japanese Chamber of Commerce, we often wore more, our, our more conservative outfits and you always had to cover up your tattoo yeah. for, the, for those types of events, more formal. Whereas, you know, some of the other events, you know, we could wear something with like a slightly lower neckline or just a dress and, and, a little yeah. shorter. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of these like more modest, more modest like outfits that we had to wear, of course, were a sign of respect and absolutely want to honor that and, and make sure that we're not offending 
anyone's culture, but mm-hmm. it's definitely it's a it's a change and it's an adjustment from what we might normally choose to wear. Yeah, I agree. And I also feel like, you know, that's something that was fun to kind of be a part of because now I have a very professional wardrobe that I could <laughs> use for other events. But I do I do definitely think um I I'm just very thankful to where we both are now. And we're mm-hmm. both, you know, growing more and more confident with ourselves. Obviously, you know, we have bad days, you know, bad skin days, bad hair days, bad body <laughs> days, you know, the lot. But mm-hmm. I do think like we're a lot more open minded now about what is beautiful. And mm-hmm. I feel more beautiful. And I feel like that's something that I had to discover myself. It's not anything like anyone could have told me. It was something that I had to figure out not just like how I looked on the outside, but like what are ways that what are scenarios where I feel the most beautiful. And, you know, maybe that is like on a mountain bike or maybe that is, you know, sweatpants, pimply faced on the couch. Like I feel like now just it's all changed and I'm very, very like obviously thankful for how I've gotten here and everyone who's influenced that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. You're I beautiful. Gonna, I was. I mean, I think it's true. It's like it is. as you as you grow up, you learn to appreciate more things about yourself. You learn to appreciate the differences that exist, and you. I think you learn to be less influenced by external forces. I think we always will be, but hopefully mm-hmm. less so at some sometimes, and like just appreciate that you can. You can find your own meaning of beauty and, you know, I think you can just, you can accept that everyone's definition of beauty will be different. Yeah. But you can also respect each other's. (laughs) I wanted to maybe kind of wrap up with what we've learned about beauty within the Japanese American community Mm. in this past year, as we've grown up, like what what is that maybe like one or two things that you've really learned specific to the Japanese American community? I think to sum it all up, when I think of what beauty means to me or what beauty means to like being Japanese, I sort of just think of like passion. I think like what you said earlier, seeing someone passionate can be a way to show beauty. I feel like you know, seeing my mom growing up, seeing the things she loved to do, how she carried herself, seeing how other people carry themselves. And then most of all, seeing like these people in our community, Japanese Americans, you, me, people on our court, people that we've met in this program, even people we met like in sister cities, like LA or Hawaii, seeing what makes them passionate makes them beautiful and I feel like that's something that I learned because I feel like when someone's passionate you know they're at their happiest that's like their place and I don't and I think that's like the most beautiful thing and I think that is what I want to tie to the community because I think our community is full of so many different types of passions I think it's easy to think of like 
American beauty versus Japanese beauty. And then it also feels like there's some space in here for Japanese American beauty as its own thing or as a kind of a unique thing. But I think that thing is like being able to appreciate both these maybe disparate cultural perceptions of beauty and honor them and find their own version of that. And like us being mixed. Yeah, like us <laughs> being mixed. And I, I think it's just you know, continuously important for us to have these types of conversations in our community and to keep talking about like what are what have been our challenges, what can we do better for future generations and what messages can we send to our younger women or just younger community members in general to make them feel like they are beautiful as they are. That's a great way to end it, you know? <laughs> we we are now the role models. <laughs> yeah, we are now the role models that we had previously looked up to or that other people looked up to. I think that's the, the beauty of being mixed is that we can sort of choose what we want to be, how we want to look. And maybe that's the, also the beauty of being Japanese-American. We can kind of choose our own path. Mm. I love that. The beauty of being mixed. Is that the title of this podcast? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, anyway, that being said, thank you so much, Sydney, for joining me today. It was so great to reflect on our experiences of beauty standards within the Japanese American community together. It's incredible to hear how much our perceptions have changed over time. You can expect our next episode to be released on July 10th, where we'll be joining Matt and his guests as they talk about being mixed in media. So be sure to follow the Yonsei Podcast Network on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow at Nikkei Rising on Facebook and Instagram for announcements and reminders, as well as updates on other Nikkei Rising programs. Thank you again for listening in. And thank you, Cindy. The Yonsei Podcast Network is made by Hiro Edeza, Yoko Federenko, Michelle Heckert, Sachi Koide, Lauren Matsumoto, Johnny Narita, Matthew Wisely, and Robbie Yoshikawa, with Mixed Feelings Art done by Ren Maicha and Mixed Feelings Theme Music by Michelle Heckert and Kyori Di Okapi.